This is About Space, America's Return to Space, with news and information on our U.S. space program. Is your host of About Space, David Denault. I should also state clearly for the record that in our research, Arrow has found no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity, off-world technology, or objects that defy the known laws of physics. Sean Kirkpatrick of the Department of Defense. Welcome, and thanks for joining me today. The secret alien cover-up is beginning to come unraveled. The most recent and most credible is that of David Gershens, a decorated former combat veteran and former member of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, who says we possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. Uh, these are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft if you will, non-human, exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. We have spacecraft from another species. We do, yeah. How many? Quite a number. You're kidding. No. That there was, in fact, a program that the UAP task force was uh, not read into. If you're right, if you're telling us the truth, mm -hmm. Everyone, the entire American public, has been lied to for decades. Yeah, there's a sophisticated uh, disinformation campaign targeting the U.S. populace, which is extremely unethical and immoral. You are saying to the human race, for the first time, an official intelligence representative at a high level from the U.S. government is saying publicly, we are not alone. We're definitely not alone. Absolutely, the data points empirically that we're not alone, yeah. Ross Coulthart, the author of In Plain Sight and Investigation into UFOs and Impossible Science, recently revealed to Project Unity that a UFO so big that it can't be moved. People are going to question what I'm about to say. What if some of that shit is so big it can't be moved. Is that what you're saying, Ross? Is that what you've been That's told? That's exactly what I'm saying. It's big. So big, they built a building over it in a country outside of the United States of America. I know that sounds preposterous, and I know, oh my God, you can just hear them now, the bleating debunkers. Let's see this investigated. Mm. You know, there's a whole cadre of supposed experts on social media who are saying it can't be, therefore it isn't. And that's been the default for so many years. It can't be, therefore it isn't. Imagine if what Mr. Grush is saying is true. Uh, these are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft if you will, non-human, exotic origin. Think about the implications of that. Some of these objects are not capable of being moved because they're too bloody big. No, let, I mean, let me just tell you this. I know exactly where it is. It's absolutely gobsmacking that Jeez. it's being kept as a secret. Imagine having an object that's so big, it's just not conceivable to move it. And there's the retired Air Force captain and nuclear crew commander, Robert Salas, who is at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Great Falls, Montana, who came forward about a UFO 
taking control of the entire missile system. Sometime in the evening hours, I get up a call from the main guard upstairs. He tells me that there are strange lights flying over the facility. They're looking at reddish-orange glowing pulsating light that's hovering just above the front gate. They did think that there was a solid object within the light, sort of oval-shaped. I kind of dismissed it. I even said, you mean like UFOs? And uh, kind of laughed at him. And he said, well, they're not airplanes, sir. About five minutes later, he calls back, and he's screaming into the phone now. He's very frightened. He's babbling. He said he's got all the guards out there with their weapons drawn, and they wanted orders on what to do. I told him, make sure nothing enters the fenced area. When I hung up the phone, I thought we were under attack. By who or what, I had no idea. And then we get bells and whistles going off in our control panel, and we could see the lights going from green to red all across the board, meaning the missiles were inoperable now. If the president had given the order to launch the missiles, we could not have launched them. And what about the report of UFOs over Canada, which are increasing daily? I got it. Oh my gosh. Oh. What the hell? That strange light in the sky is one of 1,100 UFO sightings in Canada last year. According to the annual survey released by Ufology Research of Manitoba, there are at least three such sightings in the country every day. None of the sightings match the drama of the X-Files. The truth is out there. But something was out there, according to 10 campers in Quebec, who reported a triangular object that hovered and then flew off. Since the survey began nearly 30 years ago, more than 19,000 Canadians have reported seeing something strange in the sky. That makes them think we're not alone. Janet Dirks, CTV News, Calgary. And perhaps the most famous of all UFO reports is the 1947 Roswell crash and the alien bodies. About 75 miles from the town of Roswell, New Mexico, a rancher named Mac Brazel found something unusual in a sheep pasture. A mess of metallic sticks held together with tape, chunks of plastic and foil reflectors, and scraps of heavy glossy paper-like material. Unable to identify the strange objects, Brazels called the Sheriff of Roswell. The Sheriff in turn called officials at the nearby Roswell Army Air Force Base. Soldiers fanned out across Brazels Field, gathering the mysterious debris and whisking it away in armored trucks, never to be seen again by the public. W. Glenn Davis remembers all too well that the crash was not any type of aircraft. As the Roswell funeral director, he had access to the base and saw some of the debris and describes the bodies of the dead aliens. Well, the ears, like I think I stated to you, that the ears, there was a couple of small orifices, one on top of the other with two little lobe flaps, one over the other. They didn't really know how those, if they had any significance, how they worked or what. They wasn't, I mean, they didn't go into that. The nose was only a couple of very small orifices, holes right there, just above the lip line. But it had, uh, there wasn't anything covering it. 
and it was just like two small indentations there, and that was it. The following day after the crash, he had lunch with a friend, a nurse that held the rank of lieutenant. Here is an excerpt of his story. Just a light lunch, but she was so upset. Uh, she looked like she was, you know, in shock is what she really talked like and looked like. And uh, she said, I want to, she said, I said, well, I was just curious. The only reason I want to talk to you I was curious on what happened. And she said, well, you won't believe it. And she says, I don't believe it either. But she said, uh, I got in a lot of trouble on this thing. I probably, I'm not real sure about this. But she said, when I, then she pulled out of a, a little purse or a little pocketbook, whatever she had there. She gave me a little diagram that she had that she had drawn some some uh, figures of uh, of some arms and a uh, face and so on. She told me that this is what you know was what was in those uh, that it was a crash, it wasn't an airplane, but they didn't know what it was at that time. Yeah, but she said we have three bodies. That there was three bodies. She said two of them were very mutilated. One looked like it might have walked out or that it, you know, might have lived a, a little while. And she explained they were like three and a half feet to four feet tall. The uh, two of the bodies were, the, the you couldn't identify much because they were practically destroyed. And it looked like maybe that they might have been uh, a predatory animal or something might have... Uh, been doing some damage on the bodies too. And the UFO incident not far from London near a military base in Rendlesham Forest. Well, some Brits say it's like the status of Loch Ness. It was in December 1980 when U.S. airmen from the RAF Woodbridge base reported seeing strange lights and seeing a craft many believe was a flying saucer. Here is a recording by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt and Sergeant Nevels. Listen to what they observe. We're about 150 or 200 yards from the site. Everything else is just deathly calm. There's no doubt about it. There's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. That's yellow. I saw a yellow tinge in it, too. Weird. It, it, it appears to be maybe moving a little bit this way. Yes, it's brighter than it has been. Yellow. It's coming this way. Also, it is definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There's no doubt about it. This is weird. So what do you believe they saw in Rendlesham Forest? So why am I bringing this to your attention? And yes, there's much happening in our space program to report on. But if all these reports are real, we are not alone. And I'll be right back when you hear from a Stanford University professor who claims aliens have been here for a long time next as America and the world is listening to About Space today. Ever dream of an island getaway at an all-inclusive resort? Or going on an island-hopping cruise to multiple island destinations? See sun-bleached beaches and swim in the azure waters of the Caribbean Sea. Call today for your special discount prices to your island getaway. This is a special offer for About Space by calling 877 877- 
747-8631 and let's go and explore the islands of the Caribbean. Welcome back. We've learned of the secret study of UFOs funded by Senator Harry Reid and our government has not only been studying these for, for decades, they have begun to reverse engineer them. And a professor from Stanford University says aliens arrived a long time ago and they're still here. Dr. Gary Nolan lays out his evidence on our alien visitors. I think you can go a step further. It hasn't just visited, it's been here a long time and it's still here. Uh, and it has uh, a basically, um, you know, people talk about the wow signal, uh, looking for extraterrestrial intelligence. The wow signal is that people see it on an almost regular basis. I mean, look, um, the National Defense Appropriation Act passed last year, signed by, by Biden in uh, December. 30 pages of that is the establishment of an unidentified aerial phenomenon office, the establishment of looking into the harm that's happened to any of a number of the individuals, going back to 1945 and looking at the disinformation and misinformation that has been uh, basically articulated over the decades. 12 U.S. senators have signed on to a document that basically says we want the information. The establishment of an office, Arrow, in the Department of Defense, has 25 people working in it right now. And what's their, what's their goal? Collecting the information across all of the, uh, all of the U.S. Department of Intelligence, sorry, Department of Defense, intelligence offices, and collation of that into a uniform format for the very first time and provision of that then to Congress. The creation of a whistleblowers program specifically that allows people from, the, from within, who I'm gonna say this, who've been working on the reverse engineering programs reverse engineering of objects, so that they can come in and break their oaths, but specifically just to talk to Congress and give that information in classified settings. So that's the first thing. Then my personal experiences, uh, and then my experience with people who, frankly, I know have worked or are working on the reverse engineering programs of downed craft. Now, the first question that people will ask is, well, if they're so frigging advanced, why are they, why are they crashing? Because what's crashing is not actual living things. I mean, if you, I, mean, I use this example a lot. If you wanted to study a tribe of cannibals in the middle of the Amazon, are you gonna go yourself and show up in the middle of the, of the tribe and not hopefully become dinner on the other side of it? So if you're an advanced intelligence, you know, I don't think we're all that advanced, frankly. Um, you're not gonna basically put your, your uh, life and limb at risk by coming here. So mostly what you're seeing here are either drones or some sort of advanced AI or whatever it is. I mean, look, so imagine if you were a million years ahead of us, uh, how, do you, how do you have a dialogue with something like that? Or what is it that that could possibly do? So we have multiple simultaneous sensor systems that have seen these objects go from 50 feet above the water to up to 14 miles and then back in less than a second, all right? I mean, that's just a truth. The U.S. government has confirmed that these kinds of measurements are done. Now, they're very careful what they say. They say, well, we have no evidence of E.T. Well, because, you know, no E.T. is going to come walking in here and say hello, right? But um, if you read between the lines and the flip side of it, it does stuff that we can't do. We know that the Russians and the Chinese are not doing. 
And so if you can go from zero to 5,000 miles an hour and take a, a right turn and not end up squished like a bug on the windscreen on the other side, if they have windscreens, uh, then uh, what is the physics that accomplishes that? So, you know, individual experiences of what people see is an anecdote, but an anecdote doesn't convince a scientist. What's a convinces a, what is it that convinces a scientist? Data, right? What doesn't convince scientists? A conclusion. If you and I can agree that the data is real, irrespective of what the potential conclusions might be, the hypotheses, yeah. then the onus is no longer on me to come up with an answer. Now, I think it is an advanced form of intelligence, something that we don't understand, that is using some kind of intermediaries, however it is, like I said about the, you know, the, you don't, you're not gonna end up in the middle of the tribe. Uh, you're not going to you're not going to show yourself in the middle of the ambulance. You're going to send intermediaries. Well, what happens next is, I mean, what you're actually seeing is what's happening next is the professionalization of this, right? It's not just me. I mean, I have many now scientists with whom I'm working. Yeah. I don't want to see it behind the scenes anymore. Yeah. And finally, what you're seeing is that a lot of people who are within the intel communities as well are frustrated. And I want to thank the Salt Connections New York for their contributions to providing Dr. Gary Nolan. And let's not forget the man who headed the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force for eight years, Lou Alessandro. This is not, you know, the notion of where, let's say, Grandma saw some lights in the backyard. These are military eyewitnesses. In some cases, they're fighter pilots or their security personnel uh, that have come up close and personal with a UAP or, I guess, in the vernacular, UFO. For many years, we've been told, oh, you know, this is silly and, and, and whatnot, and this, this topic is, is, is really not to be taken seriously. Look, I, I was part of the program. I ran the program for, for a better part of eight years on this topic. It is absolutely real. And now, finally, because of the pressure put by Congress and people like you in the media, finally our government is beginning to become more transparent about this topic and tell the truth about this topic. We've been looking at this for a long time, and if, you, if anyone seems to suggest that China or Russia back in 1950s had the ability to travel at hypersonic speeds and do 90-degree turns uh, in midair after doing 8,000 miles an hour, then you know, you're looking at the greatest intelligence failure this country has ever had, eclipsing that of 9-11, by the way, by an order of magnitude. So, so no, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say at this point, suffice it to say, this is probably not some sort of adversarial technology we're dealing with. Are the people of America about to find out that the truth was out there? How long can our government or other countries who have crash vehicles continue to deny their existence? And what about the effect it will have on the religions of the world and our entire belief system? I'm asking why are they here and what do they want? And these should be the same questions Congress and NASA should be asking and to disclose and show us the crafts. About Space Today has presented the information for you to decide and further investigate for yourselves. So do you believe or do you want to believe? Check out our Facebook page about space.today for launches and landings and invite your family and friends to listen weekly. Join Don Meyer, Space Coast News Editor, this Friday for America in Space. And, and to all our listeners around the globe and here in the U.S., thanks for joining me. I'm David Denault, and this has been About Space Today.